Hello there and welcome. I'm Cleon and Ian Lone, producer of the RT Radio 1 Davis Now Lectures. The Pleasures of Gaelic Literature was a series of Thomas Davis lectures first broadcast on RT Radio in 1975 and into 1976. It features writers and writers in the Irish language to which they are drawn. Donegal writer Mickey McGowan was the choice of Pierce Hutchinson. The book Rohamore and Thiel, The Big Wheel of the World, is the life story of Mickey McGowan. It originated from McGowan telling his story to folklore collector Sean O'Hoche in the 1940s. McGowan's book was published in 1959, edited by Radio Éireann producer Pranchis O'Conlon, 11 years after the death of Mickey McGowan at the age of 83. In his lecture, Pierce Hutchinson describes McGowan as a storyteller with the gift of a poet, a man who was unusually civilised, sharp-eyed and clear-spoken. It is for its language and honest telling, as much as the adventures and experiences it shares, that Rohamore and Thiel has earned its reputation as a classic Irish text. Its narrator proudly declaring he was born in the northwest of Ireland in Donegal in the townland of Therachunere on the 12th of November 1865, the eldest of 12 children. His hard early life and schooling in English preparing him for emigration, hired at the age of nine as a farmhand into a family of storytellers at 15 taking the boat to Scotland and then America, experiencing New York, the gruelling work down the dark silver mines of Montana, Indian communities struggling to hold on to their land and with which McGowan could entirely empathise. The unforgiving working conditions of the Klondike gold rush and back home to Donegal, his money made and living out a good life. The book, along with its translation into English as The Hard Road to Klondike by poet Valentine Armonger, has inspired documentaries and films. Glasgow-born poet and translator and regular broadcaster on RTE, Pierce Hutchinson spent most of his life in Ireland, having moved as a boy to Dublin with his parents in 1932. Here is Pierce Hutchinson on Mickey McGowan with short illustrative readings from the book read by Brendan McNovshi. When Sean O'Hahe was collecting folklore in Clochanile in 1941, he met an old man called Mickey McGowan who had great stories to tell. Sean got to know him well, married one of his daughters, and over several years took down his stories and, above all, his own story. Prontius O'Conluan encouraged this work, made some radio programmes out of it, and acted as editor of its final book form, which happened in 1959, just 11 years after Mickey's own death at the age of 83. The title, Raha Mora Teal, means the big wheel of the world, and it comes from a story Mickey himself heard when young, the gist of it being that life, or fate, is like a big wheel that never stops turning, and the man who's on top of the wheel this year could easily be crushed beneath it next year, and the other way round. Not an unbearably original idea, but a true one, an old one, and perhaps nearer to Oriental than Occidental attitudes. Mickey McGowan started life, not exactly under the wheel, but certainly a long way from the top of it. He was born in the townland of Derechonere, at the foot of Knutnanev, in the parish of Clochanili in the county of Donegal, on the 12th of November 1865. He was the eldest of twelve, and as he says himself, that meant he was out in the rain for much of his life. That corner of Ireland was then almost entirely cut off. <laughs> I was 
Haru, Shinlabri de Yewaru. Haru clogged birds of Harashe. Agus Nerevion Tamla Cabad, Agus Banushin. I hitched all as a winches grain, no sialy. Legaukle a horanin ockle wine, by earwig and winchy beacul, shin tum or hempel. A mach, omerjigu parshula balach, a meo and noyaklish. Ach we tea willa erishkeel. Wina dini seduhisha. Water hain in the mask, be all bart. A sheltered life, in some ways almost enviable, except for that classical term, bio bacht, which Deneen translates as miserably poor, lean, fleshless. The holdings were tiny and stony, potatoes the main crop. Some families ate potatoes four times a day, twice cooked and twice cold. But the neighbours were kindly, and the endless potato could often be varied by seafood, cod and ling from Torrey Island at Tupence Head, and limpets, cockles, periwinkles, dillisk off the rocks. Famine food, but food nonetheless. With dung at every door, fever decimated many families. Pochin was the great panacea. Quote, the whisky that had the blessing of the law was both scarce and dear, and apothecary's remedies were unheard of. Unquote. But a poor man warming himself, or a mother treating a sick child, had always to beware of policemen or the coast guards, nawatir, as the people called them, turning the English word water into a slender Gaelic plural. And one day two of them caught Mickey's mother feeding Potcheen to her children and carted her husband off to jail for six months. After he got out, he never did a day's good, and died soon after, which left young Mickey out in a real downpour. The age-old escape was exile via the hiring fair at Letterkenny to farm labour in the Lagan, which meant anywhere from Muckish to Antrim, and after that in Scotland. But the old people who had been to Scotland were always complaining their lack of English got them looked down on and badly treated, so there was nothing for it but to pack little Mickey off to the school in Maharorte. The school had a leaky roof, and if Mickey hadn't a word of English, no more had the master a word of Irish, being there not really to help the children of the place, but the children of Nawatir, whose language, of course, was English. Plus a change, Moradurt and Frankach. The boy picked up only scraps of the master tongue, or so it seemed at the time. But years later, as a young man getting his first breathtaking sight of New York, what should come into his head but a poem by Wordsworth from the third book in the old school? Earth has not anything to show more fair, Dull would he be of soul who could pass by a sight so touching in its majesty. And there it is, as large and unlikely as life, set down in print between two chunks of Gaelic. Apart from poems, Mickey tells us, all he retained from that school was a good grounding in the catechism. Poetry and piety, the two time-honoured essentials of the Donegal soul, from the dove of the church down to my own mother. Mickey's piety, though, could be overtaxed, as it was by his mother on the fifty-mile walk to the hiring fair. Agus harushi sasele shen hain, ach dol shin tishke, agus hog bujala mach as fina shal, agus lean e, len a hortarash han a walilehe. 
On oit Vanahishin, that blessed place, the boy was barely nine. I feel sure the old man recounting that holy halt nearly seventy years later took a fine dry relish, indulgent yet pungent, in the double meaning of that phrase. But more holiness still was in store for the child slave to be. The motherly woman they stayed the night with took one look at him when they arrived, told him he looked tired, and prescribed pre-slumber prayers. Fifteen decades she gave out, and the child slumped to sleep, banging his forehead on the stool he was kneeling at. Green Canavan, her son a shark chincher, her son a gorson, a gusnagaviach, and a akijaha, John Eregus Halov, a gusahan orchid eleder was her gun, a gusaskanatir omidon, a dear neighbor took us a shkris, a glaihigus a gran, a wad wound. Her holomalyhead, the fadiradachta yeal. But the boy was lucky in the first house he hired into. Everybody was kindly, and best of all, the old grandmother had plenty of Irish, and that made him feel at home, and she told him stories both cheerful and grim, like the one about the people from that place who were evicted to make room for sheep. They scraped their passage to Australia, and not one of them ever came back. Master followed master, and Mickey's last Ulster farm was owned by an old brother and sister whom he calls Sam Do. August Jane Vui. He soon got used to their confirmed bachelor ways, though the milk Jane gave him was, he found, as sour as garlic. Presbyterians, they were not bigots, and always made sure to call Mickey in time for Sunday Mass. Neighbours would sometimes come in for a night of storytelling. There was, in particular, an old ploughman called Billy Craig. Agus bara kushohe hai tusa hil agal harter fuga aluga hele etro senyarach. We cluin tacher my throhoi. Kedim gada helva hochulia vien shana has ega faster. As menica holomadinia rao hain, nachmin shana has snapeshragia behigna holobni. A higlom sore nahole kartaku. We shana has a gushkil take belly craig, good yirach, marbeo we cud on a shana nisogin hain. Agus visha kogel wild on the pishragi, vishan denya bahanamshre, da wakatu yeo. Nerhigu billy hunti le clapolis, Horichia gremlish a wak, Agazadigun reish da ha wakachia shen gaham lee. Visha tromara hot, Agus nerevichin peeper obuz, Haro corona hostly janwe, Adagus vi far on the bahu cluesto. Haro kinyala bishana hush, na moluche wakit. Ah, we shall special take in Shishkielta for Hefshi, Agusfanadi Nibaga. We Kasselachter, Gurgenya and Wignache. Not a Machan Shinagumagin, Hanaka Chantach, Gmadenian Chaklish. Agusharo Wadiga, Legal. Wignach, in that passage, means not just lonely, but afraid of the dark, even of the darkness hiding behind the morning. Mickey himself owns up to being Wignach in that sense all his life. But what strikes me most about the way he talks of Black Sam and Yellow Jane and Billy the Ploughman is not just the boy's understanding of an old man smitten with oignus, but the magnanimous spirit informing his whole approach. He never lost this, and it comes out clearly from beginning to end of the book. The great Scottish novelist Fionn Macalla has called magnanimity the finest of human qualities. Magnanimity means greatness of soul or spirit, and it's one of the central and constant glories of Rahamur Teal. But in Mickey McGowan it showed itself not only in a generous outgoing towards other people, but in a remarkable honesty about himself. 
The book has, admittedly, its due share of Mortus Dalach, the famous, perhaps too famous, Donegal pride. But in this case, it's never overweening, there's never too much of it, and it's always backed up by real achievement. It forms, in this man, an unusually happy alliance with another famous, also perhaps too famous, Ulster quality, honesty. What passes for honesty is all too often merely cruel home truths, which may not be true at all, deployed unremittingly against other people. Nicky, though not blind about other people, is kind about them, as kind as possible, and his best honesties are about himself. Thus he admits in the most natural way that when his friend Connell Evelyne and himself, having made up their minds that at fifteen they were ready for Scotland, were walking to Derry in the small hours, and the scattered house lights of the country had one by one gone out, he felt none too brave. What's impressive about that is the directness of the speech, the naturalness of the admission, the lack of excuses, the complete freedom from the terrible disease of machismo, the terrible pretense of never being afraid. Such a pretense is in itself born of fear, but it's more than understandable in those millions of men whose whole lives are spent in back-breaking, soul-breaking physical labour, men for whom, in too many cases, the only dignity they can cling on to is their own physical strength and toughness. So, honesty like Mickey's, about fear, whether in boyhood or later, is all the more courageous. For Mickey himself was used to hard labour from the tender age of nine. But fear and courage between them last out the darkest night, or all but the darkest, all but the last. The two lads got to Derry, onto the Derry boat, and over to Scotland. From Glasgow they traipsed across Lanarkshire to Cobridge. Here the wine if you could him near him hain. Clinging the shannon if you none of all go halibun, be unto Rivisho a tract, or well a bug a ditched freed, nor which the tarrant air son over. Bale a dogged armadale. Snowhishan, how you much in the hatch a sogging a breeshty, a skill to give more at the wine in Bale. A gusar water be a ditched Nahmawas, grieve the beyond. My own mother, as a child, walked many mornings through that same Lanarkshire countryside, from her home in Uddingston to school in Motherwell, and at a certain point in the road she and her sisters were usually accosted by local children who threw stones at them, shouting, Yet ken you are Irish by your high cheek banes. But she survived to tell the tale, and so did Mickey and Connell Evelina. And after five years of mixing cold milk into cold oatmeal in the lowland bosses for ten bob a week, Mickey decided it was high time to cross the Atlantic briny. 
Before Mickey and his two companions left Clochanile, they underwent the American wake, drinking and music and dancing till morning. Those who were staying at home, Bjobacht but still at home, would, Mickey remembers, wet us with tears and dry us with kisses. And then at morning, Uignach, in more ways than one, they walked three or four miles of the road with the departing emigrants. These three emigrants tramped the eternal fifty miles from Clochanile to Derry, and by six that evening were, with hundreds more, on board the ship as it moved out into Loch Foyle. Bi tranona alinyon, agus an loch a cún la clár, ach ma bi har hiúnín an cúnas a bíad bórd. Har o smid le clinstin ach glúrus glnach na lópi, a bí na marnyalí a hannu halas a was, agus car rúa veilach a chayún fár a bí an tasi as hén, agus ea malú an valé. Ba vagalig a hui síz fuin dek, ach wain mraag as paeshti, gar chayimid bugadach bél na loha. That last image there, of the sea stirring and rising like buttermilk in a churn, was the first in the book that brought McGowan home to me as a poet not only of magnanimity but also of metaphor, and good, strong, accurate, concrete, sensual metaphor at that. Images like that are as down-to-earth as a pounding dance at an American wake. The perfect process of poetry is happening here, the new reminding the poet of the old, memory tackling the exotic challenge, the exotic and the familiar exorcising each other, enhancing each other, changing places. A score of times in ten-score pages McGowan brings off such masterly comparisons, always with ease. In distant places, the novel experience that truly grips him reminds him inevitably of some experience at home, the shock of recognition, a kind of therapy, a reconciling, an embrace, and again, of course, magnanimity as an aesthetic agent. Highfalutin stuff, what I've just been saying, but let me offer some more examples. All they got to eat on the ship to America was sea biscuits as hard as a ram's horn. And when, much later still, Mickey is on his way back to Ireland with his hard-won money, he's two days out of New York before he gets over his seasickness. In which are the league of Ireland in law faster? Agus her magin an triole, bish the chacht the gana hille. Then you nish, agus then you reish, martifa kuyi a yano. Hana harag mortis. Agus you madu skilum tu, agus avewa krenule hille reish. Those are all animal images, what in Irish might be called Tyrul. But they are all, unlike the searing animal images of Liam O'Flaherty, less contemptuous than compassionate, resigned, sympathetic, and every bit as vivid as if they were hostile. And McGowan can also, with equal effect, though not so frequently, employ another kind of image, quite as natural, even homely, but more quiet, more grave. If the more robust kind of metaphor can be compared to a country dance or dance tune, then this other kind of image might come somewhere between a plankstay and a slow air. An example is the one we heard a few minutes ago about the quiet sea being no more quiet than the hundreds of hushed emigrants on deck. Or like Mickey telling us that in Montana the people went in Indian file through the deep snow like Torrey Islanders after leaving a boat. <laughs> Hayona de ni yevu kashiatan shinsi yevu 
Schulen eichele. Marchifa mocher harie janu, en ye boedagai. Or like him telling us that after a while he felt less oignoch about going down the dark mines in Montana. Rocking is jachs of yenoch hilor na hiche, co fuilunta gas a rocking con a tubber, fachwin a tushkishke sawalye. Or again, like him telling us that despite all the money he eventually made in America, money that allowed him to come back to Donegal and live well there, I still hated America, and I often thought that if ever I reared a family I'd never let one of them go there, I'd sooner put them gathering snowflakes. That image is, at once, fierce and quiet. You must by now have gathered that he took part in the gold rush, and page after page of crisp storytelling makes clear how cold it could get up there in Alaska, how touch-and-go survival was, and how gathering a little gold dust was never money for jam. At one point of hazard, Mickey and two friends had to walk a long way in freezing weather, and one of them got frostbite in his fingers. They came, just when they were about to give up the ghost, to an Indian encampment. The Indians made them welcome. By dint of some Gaelic English reaching out to some Indian English, Mickey made clear the plight of his frostbitten comrade. An old woman was quickly fetched, and she cured his friend with herbs and magic spells that put him wonderfully in mind of the wise old women back home in Donegal. That coming together, in need, in helping, of two ancient cultures, both of them outside of and persecuted by the technocratic wasp cultures that have done so much to enhance life and ruin the world, seems to me unbearably moving and superbly hopeful even now. And in a Yukon settlement called Forty Mile, Mickey had the best night of music in his life. There was, among others, a kiltor from Connacht who was hard enough for the best of them. And I'd like to leave you on this memory of Mickey McGowan, a man who was unusually civilised, sharp-eyed and clear-spoken. Hashin kiolugus <laughs> arunke, ne fideligia dausalichele, no bavagar fadden made banavion. Agus baishin an ihe kiolia bawoa hulamisha revishin nahin. Vidin ye lahaj as a han yarn than tool, agus vishit satalu nachronayana aglaru, guglinghi a jangi hain. That was Pierce Hutchinson and his talk on Mickey McGowan from the 1975 76 RT Radio Thomas Davis Lecture Series, The Pleasures of Gaelic Literature. This series editor was poet and critic John Jordan, who also edited a book of the lectures published by the Mercia Press. Its producer was Kathleen Kelleher. Go to the Davis Now Lectures website for more information on rt.ie forward slash radio one forward slash Davis Now Lectures and find further Davis Now Lectures where you get your podcasts. From me, producer Cleanan Anlun, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.